The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Skinny are helping you show how smart you are with the 1Q Quiz, an all-new, super-challenging and super-quick daily quiz built by The Spin-Off. Every Monday, Skinny are giving you the chance to prove you're smart with the Skinny Extra Credit question. Get it right, and you'll get the chance to score yourself some Skinny Extra mobile credit so you can text, call, or even video call your group chat and gloat about how big your brain is. T's and C's apply. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometers of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, Jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. It's a cold open. Well, no, we'll Let's just... start with a production meeting about what we're going to do. Okay, okay, what are we going to do? I heard somebody well, well, told me we First of all, we have jokes. to pick who our body doubles are going to be for the <laughs> thumbnail, like famous actors, which is what we started on before. Oh, and it's going to be Bruce Willis. And, and what what we ben want Thomas. the theme music Ac- according to According to the... going to completely overhaul the presentation of the podcast. Yeah. New thumbnail, is that what you were saying before? New thumbnails. Uh, new music. New we're music. basically a bit envious of the other podcasts. Mm. We feel a bit like the second cousin locked in the basement um, while they're showered and quality takeaway foods yeah. and photo shoots. Look at that. Um, They've got a wooden block with the hashtag and their name on it's it. It's real pod over there. Yeah. So, um, don't say their name. This Thank is actually our 50th podcast. Have we started this podcast now? I suppose we have. Um, kia ora tato, this has gone by lunchtime. I'm Toby Manhoe, that's Annabelle Lee. And ben, that's Ben Thomas. We made it. 50. 50. 50. It might have been 50 last. The last. Anyway, 50 ish. Yeah, it's, it's right. A lot. It's in the area of 50. And so it's time for a rebrand, isn't it? Yeah. A reshuffle. We get, we get gold cards too, right? Um, and then, then from here, we're going to kick on and see if we can get that 5%. Yeah. And we rebrand as a political party. Mm. Um, we'll have a co-leadership, yeah. which will be Ben Thomas, me, Annabelle Lee, and Tina Tiller, who's over there, our producer. Hi, Tina. Like a quad oh, co-leadership. Uh, yes. Split four ways. That's right. I like it. Um, what are we going to talk about today? Oh, thank you very much to Flick. Um, Electric, who are wonderful sponsors, um, click on any um, politics page and go through and check them out. They're terrific. Also, they've given me free electricity for a year. So much free electricity is yeah. coming out your ears. Mm-hmm. Also, I'd never say this, and I should. If you don't think this podcast is lamentably terrible, then review us and give us a rating because that apparently is really good if you want to get more people to listen to your. Um, podcast yeah and there's only so many times we can rate and review ourselves eh? <laughs> what so do you many, mean there's only, only, only so many fake about? email addresses we can set I've, up I've, for I've our fake itunes accounts for our fake comments about I'm fifty thousand dollars in credit card debt because of all the american expresses i've ordered mm. to set up new itunes accounts awesome. um, i don't know how to unsubscribe to audible it's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah neighborly that's tricky also uh, what what are we going to talk about? We talk about the budget, right? 
the the new look gone by lunchtime podcast budget special mm. um budget was just recently almost a fortnight ago is that right that was last week was it last week it was last week it was last week you've become too used to the new new zealand although if you if you count the leaky <laughs> the, 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 the leaky start then it's more than a week it's over a week yeah. for the pre-budget announcements yeah. via national new zealand has been so completely transformed by the well-being budget you can't remember a time before it no <laughs> although you can't remember a time before the storm clouds the, the fork lightning <laughs> there has been a lot of bad weather since the well-being budget which does make you wonder about well-being and also climate change is it real i mean the th- it's actually interesting climate change isn't in the well-being measures this is because if you fundamentally go back to what the well-being budget is all about the treasury has a living standards framework which is this sort of like Dungeons and Dragons nerd graph on their website <laughs> where they have like 12 characteristics like mm. s- strength, agility, housing, knowledge and skills. Does it have, do Can they have like emojis with those, like the biceps one for strength <laughs> and like a key? And some of those... I'm sure that's those, the last project like Gab a die 20. was working I love on. That Dungeons, I've got a die 20 here. We're just going to roll the die 20. <laughs> And, yeah, so, I mean, you know, the, the, the roots of the well-being budget are that well-being could really be anything because, you know, it's, it's been portrayed as this, um, you know, this, this laser-like focus on mental health and, you know, the well-being is, is the sort of well-being is the guiding star of this government. But actually, well-being could be anything. Well-being, one of the measures of well-being is income and consumption. So actually by buying more plastic shit, we would be increasing well-being mm. for large parts of the community. And balancing those many varied factors, once you break the 12 down into subcategories, there's about 100 categories of well-being that the government is, that Treasury with its big data and its algorithms is somehow optimising, <laughs> you know, to get the most perfectly well-being society ever. <laughs> um, so it's, it's all sort of nonsense, is we it could just no? sort of proceed on that basis. Is it nonsense? I mean, on, on a kind of macro general level, it sends a message to everyone, you know? So so that's part of what you do when you make big decisions about spending. And also it's only for the new money, right? Like it's so all the stuff that that has come through from the past doesn't sit within the framework. And the big the big the big change from this budget, the the banner item is the mental health hmm. investment, right? Which is almost um undeniably a well being hmm related measure yeah yeah i mean look everything that government does is really about well-being there's never been a malignancy budget where the government will sort of put two billion dollars over the next four years towards infecting children with diseases or you know paying people to kneecap senior citizens as they go about their business uh that stuff isn't done on government budget spending you know this idea that somehow (laughs) this budget is uniquely focused with making people's lives better as opposed to previous budgets which were about undeniably making people's lives worse through using the coercive powers of the state and its economic resources just doesn't really stack up because again of course mental health is about our well-being and rhetorically it connects with well-being in the public mind which is probably why it was such an easy sell for the government but again, you know, so is income and consumption. That's about well-being. Community engagement is about well-being. Uh, so street parties 
could have gotten a huge invest, injection of investment in the budget and still been within that framework. But you could argue that like the last government's budgets were primarily concerned with the well-being of the economy or business rather than people, right? Yeah, I mean, you could, but then tax cuts just go towards people's income, which is still one of the measures of well-being uh, that the government has. No no government's budget has ever just been about the numbers. There's this idea that, you know, we've moved away from a f- pure focus on GDP. There was never a pure focus on GDP. Nobody ever goes to the polls thinking, oh, you know, growth rates were good this year. They go to the polls thinking, I'm earning more than I was three years ago, or milk costs more than it used to. Uh, You know, if you have higher consumer prices, your GDP will actually be bigger generally, but that doesn't mean people are happier. And that's that's never been the case. People have never made a strict um, induction from GDP numbers towards how happy they feel with the government of the day. Anyway, we could talk about this forever, and I probably will, so unless you want to turn off my mic or something. Annabelle, do you think it was the question that um, a lot of people have been asking? Is is this a transformational budget? Are there transformational things in it? Is it the sort of – is there enough of a change? Mental health we talked about a bit. There are various other things in terms of infrastructure for rail and, and – and, uh, other elements, do you feel like it fulfills on the transformational promises? I think there's some really great stuff in there. It's good to see increased spending on mental health, new money for whānau order, new money period. Um, But in terms of being transformative, is it transforming? Does it make that transformer... Is it more Noise than meets the eye? Of it? Is it more, is than, it meets more the than meets the eye? Oh, that, that, I don't that was know. Bowen House's poor structural foundations when you were down there. <laughs> <laughs> there was a 2.0 tremor. I mean, I, I see that there's like a, a, a an increase for beneficiaries, but it, it seems to me that you know the best way to support children living in poverty or raising them out of po- poverty is to put some massive spending into that area. In terms of you know the the most children who live in poverty are the children of beneficiaries, so the the easiest way to target them, certainly the simplest, would be to put more money in their parents' pocket. And I don't know if there's really been enough spending in that area. To me, is it five hundred million? Doesn't look like enough. And yeah, they've 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 pegged benefits to wages. They've pegged increases in benefits increases to wages. Increases in benefits to wages. Um, so they've compared that to superannuation. Most would agree is kind of overdue. But still, superannuation is what what, what, big what makes superannuation. Pie, yeah, what makes superannuation a big ticket item is not the fact that it's increases are pegged to increases in the average wage. It's the fact that it's pegged to 66% of the average wage, which is much Mm. higher than benefits. Mm. And, of course, it's paid to everybody regardless of their income or their assets. And it's an ageing population. Yes, it's 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 interesting. I mean, it's, you know, we can go back to the capital gains tax decision that the Prime Minister made. It's the same thing in in a way. It's just like the untouchable areas that, you know, thou shalt not and and so even though you know obviously these increases to benefits were much less than the welfare expert advisory group recommended mm. the government rejected those recommendations and there is an important political point in terms of where the money was spent this budget uh, obviously a huge, huge huge investment in mental health long overdue 
probably an easier sell for the government uh, because in politics something only becomes stops being an issue and starts becoming a crisis once it starts affecting middle class and rich people as well as poor people. By definition, poverty only affects poor people, mm. whereas the mental health crisis has spun so far out of control that now middle class people who are likely to vote have, you know, all of their lives have been touched by people with varying degrees of mental health problems. You know, the one, the one thing that brings us all together as New Zealanders is we're all a bit sad and mental. Yeah. Hmm. Um, the one of the other interesting things to come out of the budget was the appearance, seemed to me very clearly, of New Zealand First beginning their campaign for the 2020 election, if indeed they didn't begin it at the end of the 2017 election, and that there was a, <coughs> excuse me, at a lunch hosted by Grant Thornton, with whom we did a bunch of content that you can read on the spin-off around the budget, um, Shane Jones gave a speech in which he very directly, unprompted, said to this audience of business people, people had come to the Prime Minister after her last lunch for Business New Zealand and said, where's the big announcement? He said, well, the big announcement, I'll tell you right now, is we killed capital gains tax. He, you know, absolutely, you know, it's not as though he's being remotely um, ambiguous about it or at all um, attempting to talk around it. It's we did it. And then he went on to talk about... Uh, plans to uh, what was the word he used? Coalesce or something. Conflate was the word he used. The ports, Tauranga, Auckland and Northport, which is a big thing and it's kind of like, but then he makes it clear that he's really talking about what he would like to do if gain the mandate for that and so on. So it feels a bit like that and then next year we'll have a big election budget and it, I don't know, feels like we're almost in election mode again. We are almost in election mode again. We are again. almost in election mode again. Um, that's exciting. I mean, the, there was a bit of criticism from the opposition. What was Simon Bridges's line? Trains, not teachers. Simon Bridges, somebody was... Teachers, not trains? Teacher, yeah, no, there, there was there was money for trains, oh, but not for teachers. Right. Somebody, what about trains for teachers? <laughs> I mean... That would help save money. We yeah. should do that. That's all right. Um, they, they can all live in Hamilton to avoid Auckland living costs, and they can be connected through probably low-speed rail. Yeah, you know, they, they I mean, have, they, they, they don't start till nine can, and finish at three. They can you know? probably <laughs> afford <laughs> to get an apartment in Huntley, and then they can travel into Parnell on the train to teach at the school. Mm. Um, the the train funding is about three hundred million dollars for regional rail, and that was really uh, trumpeted by the government. That's not new money. That's money that has come out of the provincial growth fund from Shane Jones. Yes, so I, which I, is all spent now. No, it's not. Oh, oh, it's all allocated. Oh, no. Yes, it <laughs> no, is. There's it way is. more. There's so much more. Um, there's about a billion dollars left. I think they've allocated all of it. So, anyway, the, um, reg- the, the regional rail was criticised by some saying, you know, trains is like old technology. It's mm. looking at the past. Mm. The real point there is if you didn't spend this money on trains, you'd just be leaving 300 million more dollars for Shane Jones to spend as he sees fit. So it's probably whatever you spend it on would be a better use of money. You know, if they just bought 300 million dollars worth of, you know, cowboy hats to store at the beehive or folding tables, yeah. all a better investment than leaving in the provincial growth fund. Um, the lead up to the budget, of course, was a sort of five part drama centering around originally the National Party put out a series of press releases in which contained 
elements of the budget that they were doing big spoilers on. Um, and the first one, I mean, each of them was relatively innocuous. None of them was a massive headline number, but cumulatively it started to become the story not so much necessarily the substance of them but the fact of them given that the parts of the budget that aren't aren't choreographically provided by the government themselves are kept under strict lock and key and so for the opposition to have access to them was a big deal and then that ramped up even more because um, the Treasury came out, the Treasury Secretary, Gabriel McClough, came out and said that uh, their systems had been compromised, there was a hack, they'd gone to the police, then Grant Robertson, the finance minister, followed up with another press release saying this was very serious and that the National Party must cease immediately feeding material into the public domain. Um, and then what? happened who wants to pick up the yarn well can i just say that when we refer to it as a drama it's it's like kind of young and the restless dynasty Mm. level drama not like house of cards or or line of duty Mm. or like handmaids like daytime soap drama dynasty is quite a high quality drama i hear the remake is very good i haven't seen the remake neither Mm. um but the thing is, do most people real, like? Obviously, there's been a massive balls up, and Treasury looks terrible uh, in terms of the way they've responded and, and managed this. But in terms of um, the actual information that was being leaked, I feel like nobody really cares that much. Um, but what I but what I do think is interesting is the way that National are positioning this as, uh, as you know, an act of righteousness on their part. Mm. Like they've they've found a way of getting into getting information that wasn't meant to be seen, um, and they've done that not unlawfully. But it's a little bit like if you leave a purse open, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's okay to just go in and like remove all the the contents from it but if you uh, is this, I, a, I is feel this like, a message for your children yeah this. they do that all the time right but but I, I feel like national would have been more righteous if they'd got the information and then handed it over rather than running it i feel like if you're going to position yourself as as doing this for righteous reasons you kind of lose that moral high ground when you then sort of drip feed it into the media, but then who really cares because you're going to find out in two days what's in it. We have the worst leaks in New Zealand. Oh, like, no, can someone shit, leak stuff shit. that would never find it's out unless you leaked it? I, no, I, we get, we get leaked stuff that you're going to find out in two days anyway. It's re- so annoying. <laughs> Come right. on. <laughs> oh, up your oh, game. Oh. To, repeat, to, to, to repeat something I've said already, it was very, <laughs> there was something very authentic in New Zealand about it and that at one point the Politic website was speculating about whether this uh, data hack might involve Russian nefarious Russian interests. Oh, it was and so it exciting for a minute. Turned out it was there. someone. It was someone tapping some search things into the search bar. Yeah, t- typing, the, was... typing the phrase twenty nineteen slash twenty into Treasury's public website search bar. And and I have a sneaking suspicion you have some opinions on this matter, Ben. But to Annabelle's point, that it is still. The, 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 it was accessing information which was known to be re- secret information. Yeah. Right? Say your piece, Ben Thomas. 
Buckle in. (laughs) Okay, first up, because terminology seems to have become important here as all these fucking nerds online start waiting in about what's (laughs) hacking and what's not hacking. Um, Secret is, you know, an official classification in the government. Um, I used to have a top secret special clearance. No, top top secret, not top secret. Did you have a like ID that you could flash to people? No, I think you just had a letter. You had a letter saying that you had gotten it. Right. And um, did you carry that around with you? I pinned it to my wall. Hmm. You're not. (laughs) I don't. I don't think you're meant to tell anyone though. I think if you tell people, that proves you're not trustworthy, and they revoke it. I'm not sure anyway. Okay. So you're leaking Um, right now. This is a leak. This is a leak. This, this is, is a New know, Zealand leak. Exclusive. <laughs> I know. In, in, in concert with the AFP, the you know SIS will bust down these doors, and um, the so budget budget documents don't have that status. There's there's no criminal offence of you know releasing a budget document no. ahead of time. They're not national security documents. Some of the information can be market moving. None of the stuff that was released by National was. Um, the preference of governments these days, you know, it used to be that the, the budget all happened on one day. It contained, you know, new information about taxes. It was the first time that you knew whether the bud, uh, government was in surplus or deficit for that year. But since the days of um, the Longy government, there have been, you know, there's almost sort of continuous disclosure from Treasury about how the government puts government's books are looking and how their projections are going. Uh, as Toby, you said, the government itself does many, many pre-budget it's announcements like to build up hype for the budget. used to have a birthday, right? They used to have a birthday mm. yeah. on the day, and you just maybe do something on your birthday, maybe not. Now some yeah. people seem to think that you should have a whole festival of birthday. It's yeah. like a birthday like week. Like a whole week yeah. and yeah. kind of different observances of the birthday. It's, it's exactly it's, what yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's It's a lot like that. And, un, you know, un, unfortunately... Unfortunately, National came along, you know, on the wrong day and, mm. you know, opened the presents early or, you know, spoiled the gift, you know, said, what did you think of the book Susan got for you before she presented <laughs> it? Opened up all the champagne and just left yeah. it sitting there. Until <laughs> it went flat, but didn't pour it yeah. for anyone. Yeah. 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 Found the six-pack and three bags put of a cigarette you had, put a you cigarette had provided for full, visitors but can. ate it all before yeah. anyone arrived. Yeah. The... Um, so, you know, there's no high crime, there's no sedition no. or treason or anything from National doing this. As an opposition, they're t- perfectly entitled, having stumbled across this information essentially and then poked around a bit more to let it out and embarrass the government. Where things went awry is Gabriel Gabs McClough, the. I love how everyone is now on not just first name terms, but first abbreviated first name terms with our mate Gabs. Our, our mate Gabs, who has turned Treasury the most powerful and influential central government agency, which not only looks after the government's books, but also oversees all policy advice and new legislation that goes to the government. Uh, he's turned it into some sort of weird 70s hippies, hippie commune. <laughs> Where everyone's playing the heartwork card games and considering their moon feelings and doing reverse internships where recent grads follow around senior managers and write reports on their performance. And it's it's all just turned into a weird new age um, shit show, basically, which wouldn't be a problem if Treasury was doing its job properly. And But what seems to have happened is that, you know, there was, look, you know, either a bug or an admin error or whatever that allowed some of this information to be discovered by National. Who hired that guy? Uh, it would have been during the National government, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, yeah. And he's 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 he's. Um, but he's, as many of you know, he's off to Ireland to to yeah. lead their reserve bank. I think. And and, and, and um, he's he's so he's leaving anyway. But that's only slightly softened the calls for his resignation. But but the issue is that he's meant to be a neutral public <coughs> servant. Uh, he's meant to provide and oversee the provision of objective, neutral advice to the government, which they can then sort of you know decide their their own actions from. What happens is that what's happened is that you know by going public on this sort of hacking fantasy and sort of evoking images of Russians and Chinese spies and Julian Assange poking around in the the, the good New Zealand deep web or whatever, you know he caused a lot of alarm. That you know people started really. <laughs> You know, thinking that something pretty momentous was happening, right? This, this hasn't happened anywhere in the world. The the US Fed doesn't get hacked by the Chinese. They try all the time, right? But for, a, for a fleeting moment there, we thought we were an important country. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> but and and then what happened is that you know when the Nats scheduled a a, a, a press conference to announce how they had gotten in. Then Gabs came clean and said, "Look, actually, what happened is, you know, there was the, the police have said there's no there's no criminal activity. They're not going to press charges, um, and what and you know that we just uploaded the wrong stuff by accident. You know, and that's fair enough. You know, you probably get away with that as a neutral civil servant. But what? But but his advice somehow." Somehow this turned into a public spectacle of thinking that the National Party were alleging, basically implying that the National Party were involved in some kind of criminal hacking conspiracy. And well, to be fair, he did that interview on RNZ where he was like, you know, it's like a, there's a caged room and there's a tiger and a bar and a, <laughs> yeah. and a locksmith and a code and buttons and, and, and purse. one little button. And, and then there's a giant marshmallow padlock on Annabelle's purse. <laughs> Yeah. And everyone has stood around like on Bugsy Malone, mm. and they're all going for it at the same time. That's right. And this massive explosion. <laughs> That's exactly what he That's said. That's what then. he said. <laughs> and it, yeah, so at that stage, he would have known the truth. They had been updated, you know, earlier um, by the authorities, and so he's coming out with you know these wild metaphors, and either he led the finance minister to implicitly associate the National Party with some kind of criminal conduct, which as a public servant he should not have done, or he was in cahoots with the finance minister, which we don't have any evidence of, but you know that's another possibility of how it could have happened. In either case, he should be on his goddamn way, and he shouldn't be allowed to serve out his time. He should be sacked. Off um, with his head. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's certainly one solution. Um, the the Grant Robinson, the finance minister's position is that he was relaying information that was provided to him. There's some question about whether there was a meeting that uh, happened at some crucial time that where where they gathered together and what was happened there. There, there was but a meeting between the two most senior staff a, in the prime minister's there's office. There's a sort of more prosaic explanation, isn't there, which is that there were people within Treasury. They, there was a an error in terms of putting material on the clone drive that was searchable to explain to anyone who hasn't sort of picked up on this already basically by putting in lots and lots of different search terms they discovered that you would get the sort of surrounding text and then by essentially uh, sellotaping, patching all of that together you could get enough information that you could then put out a press, press release. Which it's a lot of work 2,000 times a eh, for like a little bit of information I'm like 
Yeah, but is that I, really the best use of your time? Oh, we, should, we, should, we shouldn't mischaracterise it as some fishing expedition. Right? So or the, f- the first search term that they entered, according to the National Party, was 2019-20, which is a search I did myself on the Treasury website because I wanted to know details about the announcement and you know whatever had already been put up. By doing that, they found material from the actual budget itself, which was probably you know stupefying to them. And so then they started searching for other terms that are in every budget, you know, vote justice, whatever, and turned up other things. So it's wrong to characterize it, I think, as, you know, this kind of furtive sort of mission of just, you know, changing one digit and another digit and trying to trying to hit pay dirt. When they actually they, they stumbled upon this, you know, in actually quite an innocent manner yeah. and then start kept poking around. Um, and then I think did some sort of those fancy string searches and things, didn't they, to get all the information properly. Do you know, I've, I've sometimes, if you go to, you know, Google Books, where Google, just because they feel like it, um, have uploaded lots and lots of books. Mm. And sometimes you only get a preview field. And sometimes you're like, oh, I really want to read the rest of that bit of that page on the book. You can do the same thing just by taking the last bit, putting that in a search. And then, um, oh, so clever. I think Gab's McLoof is going to have to answer for that also. Meanwhile, um, in other political news of late, we had um, an early episode of Dynasty. We had the Christian Conservative Party's episode, um, which was, again, it was one of those things that it kind of, oh my within the God. space of a few days, 2005 it, was, it, was, is back. it was like Easter. You know, there was all the oh. living and dying and living and dying and what have you. Um, we had, first of all, we had... Alfred Ngaro clearly being sanctioned by the National Party to uh, float the idea or be reported as considering the yeah. idea of a breakaway Christian Conservative Party that could then potentially uh, be gifted a seat by the National Party and create a dance partner for the lonely giant that is the National Party. And then Do you we think had the National Party gets R&D research credits for, for its incubator role for all these new parties? <laughs> you know, they're like growing all these potential coalition partners in vials yeah. like in their yeah. lab, you know. They're, yeah. they're, what's happened to the Sustainable New Zealand Party? How are they doing? Um, they're like one of those babies in jars. Which one is that? Like in, that Seriously, how pissed would you be if you were Vernon Tava when that came out, eh? It's like... You were just dating, and all of a sudden, yeah. Nationals got a side chick. Yeah, That's so rude. I think and not was... even trying to hide it. Like, hey. But the political system encourages polyamorous relationships. So That's the nature of it. Yeah, but uh, in- incest is a taboo in every society. Right. <laughs> That's a good um, link back to the Christian conservative splinter groups. <laughs> Um, we also had um, the Motorcycle Party, the Brian Tamaki Party, the Hannah Tamaki Party, it turned yes. out, wasn't going to be. And they expedited their launch of their, what's it, what's it being called as a party? Is it Coalition New Coalition Zealand? Coalition New Zealand. New Zealand. Um, do they have a, have a um, snowball's chance in hell to choose a... No. Uh, it's funny metaphor? because I, I think that they're, you know... Clearly, there is an opportunity for a new Māori political movement, but not that flavour. Mm. You know, Māori, uh, not particularly Christian and not 
conservative and actually the more conservative the Māori Party became the more their dr- vote dropped off so um, so no I don't think that they're going to become a Wellington based motorcycle gang You know just doing a mea culpa for my people which is white urban liberal middle class political commentators Kia ora you know, it, it, it all, this always happens, right? It happened with the NATO party, and then suddenly the next week everyone was talking about it with Coalition NZ, and it happened when Destiny had a party back in 2005. And you always get these kind of people on Radio New Zealand sort of stroking their stroking their well-groomed beards, unlike mine, mm. um, and sort of going, well, you know, the, of course Alfred Nardo will be able to reach across the divide to a lot of uh, disenchanted uh, conservative Pacifica voters in South Auckland who might be looking for an alternative to Labour's socially progressive movement. Um, you know, Brian Tamaki is very well regarded in the Māori community and so we'll have a lot of potential to pick up votes there. It's all nonsense, right? <laughs> it's just all garbage. You know, Destiny Church has 3,000 members, right? It looks very impressive in a community hall. It doesn't look great in po- on polling day. Oh. Um, Alfred Nardo is a National Party MP. He's He, he would be standing as a Coalition Party f- partner for National. Whatever ties that urban liberal middle class uh, commentators are talking about that exist in South Auckland, you know, Pacifica communities to Labour don't depend on the anti-smacking bill or, you know, th- th- they go much further back than that. You know, 25% of people apparently decide how to vote on the day, but there's actually very few genuinely swinging voters in New Zealand who are going to jump over from one of the large parties to some small crackpot outfit that's just been, you know, dreamed up in a lab somewhere or on a whiteboard. Um, And yet we still get this narrative from commentators all the time. Colin Craig got 3.7 though, right? I know that's not a slightly different point to the one you're making, but was it 3.7? There's a 4% Christian... um, vote that that will or could be enticed to vote for conservative Christians. It's it's not a crossover Labour vote. It's people that are either national or New Zealand first or just don't vote or vote for crazed minnow parties um, in, in between. But uh, that's why the Naro party, I thought, had some I mean, it was always a long shot, but and now it's been, he's announced his, it's not happening. So, oh, no, I wouldn't do that. I'm loyal to the National Party, obviously. <laughs> How but, weird was that? But eh? if he could have got that, Colin, if he could have banked the Colin Craig numbers and then added some more from Pacifica communities, you know, it doesn't seem like completely out of the. Out I of just the think, you know, we've had Christian parties, one led by a. You know, a millionaire with tons of coin to throw at it, and if yep. they're not going to get over the line, then I don't see how Alfred Nardo in South Auckland is going to get over the line. I mean, the advantage that Nardo would have had that Colin Craig didn't was um, the easy appearance of control and sanity. <laughs> In public and on the yeah. campaign trail, yeah, uh, you know, Nato is a, a credible probably have the good guy. sense not to lie down in some long grass in an attempt to look yeah. sexy. I don't know. Nato's poetry is probably better. Annabelle, you have been. Can you talk about this? You've been working on um, some a project involving Maori politicians. Mm-hmm. Years gone by. We don't really talk anymore about the Maori Party. We don't. They are off the radar, and is there is 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 your? Do you have a sense of whether or not that's another small party? There is a Maori small party that could make it back in time for twenty twenty. At, at present, no. I think that if if there 
if and when when the the next Māori political movement happens, it will have to be an uh, it will always be an issue based one. There'll have to be something that galvanises Te Iwi Māori to stand together and and push it forward. I don't think you could. I, I don't think you'd be very successful just setting one up to be a Māori party. I think it has to be in response to something. And the interesting thing will be what that issue is. I've seen there's um, quite a lot of talk on social media around um, the whole Not One More Baby movement. I don't think that will be the issue that does it, but there it has to be that kind of kaupapa-based um, movement for it to... To get moving, mm. otherwise it, it, it'll just flounder like lots of other Māori parties have before. I actually think National missed their best opportunity to to either reinvigorate or create a coalition partner, which was when Nuk Kuarako left. They should have given him the option of just quitting and becoming a Māori party MP. Right, I think you were going to say something about lost luggage, but no, you know. no, I, th- that wasn't no, that wasn't even a gag. That was right. that was just one of those sort of hindsight things that you sort of think you know Mm. Um, finally there is talk of a labour reshuffle no there is going to be a labour reshuffle there's talk of it because it's happening at the end of June I think was when yep um, uh, actually hold that thought for one second first of all I just wanted to say on Simon Bridges which I wanted to mention do we think he's safe now just very quickly because he I mean Whatever what we can argue about um, the budget gazumping stuff, but um, he seems to have come out of that stronger. I mean, he it was a reasonably a pretty well organised bit of opposition politicking, right? He seems stronger now than he was oh, it, a month yeah, ago. It, absolutely. Well, a month ago there was a lot of conjecture about whether he'd make it to the election. He's he's definitely bought himself another year. A year? What do you reckon, Bells? Ah. Uh, I I disagree to be honest. I think that um the reality is is you know I think the the leak issue has definitely given him um confidence and perhaps some credibility in the eyes of his party, but that's not going to translate to votes and it's not going to be reflected in the polls and the next poll's going to happen and there's still going to be um down in the dumps and that w- will again cause the the, the unrest within the party. So I think, you know, he's had a temporary stay of execution, but it's temporary. I, I agree, but I think National's still in denial about just how bad a 40% or 39% poll is right now. Mm. Well, if it goes to 39, then that he's almost sort of rod for his own back on that, hasn't he, Bridges? Because he's, he's often oh, yeah. said it's starting with four, numbers starting with four, I think, when that changes, then he'll be under pressure. But last thing, and we're out of here, the reshuffle... Um, end of the month Why, any kind of hot tips on that from um, leading political insiders Ben Thomas and Annabelle Lee um, uh, Annabelle Lee Mather I beg your pardon is the, the Phil Twyford going to have some of his responsibilities um, relieved you reckon 
No, same thing with Nick Smith in housing mm. under John Key. Mm. Basically, you just ring fence that minister, make them a human punching bag or voodoo doll, <laughs> or you, you don't. You don't. You know, the housing portfolio right now is like Chernobyl. You don't send any more good people in <laughs> to get irradiated or <laughs> perish in there. You just seal it off with Phil Twyford inside and check on him in three years. And if he somehow if he somehow made it through, you know, you let him out again. But um, no, you'd just be throwing uh, good ministers after bad. No, I, not that I think Phil Twyford is bad minister, but you know, obviously housing has failed to perform. Um, but you know, and and who would you replace him with? Who is particularly talented? Audrey Young raised the idea that Trevor Mallard all... might actually come back to the ministry. Now, really? He's, now he would actually be. Mm. I, I think that I think that was more sort of a suggestion than you know a realistic speculation. Mm. But Mallard, Mallard, for all of his idiosyncrasies, was a very, very good minister in the Clark government. Um, and I, and you know, I think his performance as speaker shows that he still does have a lot of uh, sympathies with the government of his party, um, and and is probably probably in his heart is not a true nonpartisan, and so could actually make a very strong contribution if he went back and he could handle any of those trouble portfolios. Um, but I, I don't think that they'll move Twyford for that reason. I thought they were going to give all the portfolios to Farfoy. Farfoy, yeah, Farfoy will probably get about sort of ten bundled together. He'll be he'll he'll be set to building the Kiwi still built be, houses. Still be outside <laughs> the, the, re, the reshuffle is they'll just give him a hammer and be like, we need like fifteen hundred houses by the election. You know, get moving. Um, no, Farfoy will go into cabinet finally. Um, he'll become New Zealand's first Tokelauan cabinet minister. Farfoy. I and about hot tips. I think that Penny will probably get a promotion in mm. the reshuffle. What I Penny will be idea. watching carefully and with great interest is to see what happens with Mecca Faitiri. I think if she were, was to be um, brought back into cabinet, that would be an absolute act of hypocrisy, given you know um, all the, the talk we've had about you mm. know bullying and. Parliament and the mm. culture of bullying and um, you know that the report found that more than likely she had but she remains in denial about it and it kind of remains unaddressed um, it would be very interesting to see what, what happens with um, Mecca she, she was actually doing proactive media at the beginning of the year mm. <laughs> campaigning to be reinstated which I think will have ended any chance she had of uh, being reinstated. I think she's gone. Kitty Yellen Tapu might find herself um, as a parliamentary secretary. Um, I think. Outside Aud- cabinet. Uh, uh, yeah, so not a minister, but an undersecretary. Audrey Young. I, d- I tend to agree with Audrey Young's analysis that was in the Herald, which was that Michael Wood will move up to become a minister outside cabinet. He's very capable. And then there'll be a position to fill there, which, you know, they'll want to encourage some of the talented backbenchers and. Kitty Allen is probably the standout in that respect. Mm. Yeah, she's done very well. She's uh, a goodie. Um, she wrote a campaign diary for the spin-off website, um, which you can read, along with many other pieces of writing and video and podcasts such as On the Rag and Real Pod. They're the podcasts that get all the love showered on them. God, why do you have but to we, give them free publicity or We us? keep on trying. We keep on trying. We're going to be back in rebranded form uh, in a... a, a, a a fast approaching year maybe even this year thanks Annabelle you're welcome thanks Ben it's always a pleasure thanks Tina thank you Tina for getting me some of the real pots cheesy bread 
Oh, Go cheesy bread. Because I get cheesy bread. I get cheesy bread. God's sake. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.